Welcome to Chapter 2 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Mary Alice Anacarico and Meredith Harper of Henry Ford Health System. In this segment, we speak with them about the importance of being able to communicate effectively with various stakeholders. What they found to be the most valuable tool for educating the staff on cybersecurity and how they're working to build stronger relationships with medical device manufacturers. Another way to emphasize what we do outside of the organization and in the consumer realm is the speaking engagements that we have as well as the other committees and memberships that we have with uh, peers across the industry. Everyone is looking for best practice and we believe that in many ways we've enabled other organizations to start thinking differently about the separation of privacy from security and one aspect perhaps being within the IT domain and uh, the, another aspect not being in that space. It really doesn't matter where it ultimately ends, but we felt that we had uh, a great grounding by being able to incorporate the cellophane around a program that made it as transparent and made it as workable and as uh, believable across this organization so that when we are talking with our consumers either inside or outside the organization, the messaging is the same. And we, we look at risk from the lens of different factors, as I described before, that of the consumer. What, what would we do? What should we do? And if we were in the shoes of the consumer, what should be done for us to protect information about us? Whether it's looking at the strategy within the organization and building a budget that will help us incorporate the things that we know we must do and that we should do in a way that provides a body of evidence that is supportable both to the board's expectation of what a culture of confidentiality looks like, but what can our system afford in terms of resources and uh, capital and operating expense to support that. Right. And that's something I definitely wanted to touch on, too, is the challenge that can come for some organizations in, in making the, the business case or making, making the right case to, to sell this. And I, I know that everyone understands that cybersecurity is important, but are, are there different ways that organizations, especially if there's maybe a smaller or tighter budget on how they can kind of really emphasize the importance of putting these programs into place? Well, that's the age-old uh, issue. It really, and most organizations can't afford to put in place everything that needs to be done. Actually, no organization can afford to put in place everything that needs to be done. And risk doesn't go away once you have completed a technology or a program. It is forever growing, and we we need to be vigilant about uh, aspects of what risk looks like, because that threat window, as Meredith was describing, changes always. Our strategic attempt here to validate what we believed needed to be part of the strategy and the implementation process to continue to widen the scope of the work that we were doing to protect the networks and to protect the data uh, was borne out by an assessment that we had done. And Meredith, would you describe both the process that we used as well as the outcomes of that that helped us create the visibility we needed? Um, I think it was a series of conversations. One of the things that we attempted to do when we started to streamline our program and pull it all under one umbrella, I did what I called the um, It's a Roadshow. 
I, I went out to every one of our hospitals and business units and connected with um, leaders that would be key stakeholders of the work that we're doing in our space and talked to them about why we are here and what the importance of the work that we do in our space and how that's going to benefit them and really started to shift the language. I think that one of the things that I a little bit of my pet peeve when I talk to some of my colleagues is that we don't tailor our communication to the audiences that we're speaking with. And so um, when we go in and start to talk a lot of tech speak to clinicians, they can't, that doesn't resonate with them. So right. I took it upon myself to say, how do I set the stage along with the support of Mary Alice and the leadership to talk through what some of the operational challenges that are happening within all of our um, business units, our service lines, and, and things that are very critical to us, and how do I shift the discussion to help them to understand how the things that we do in our space really helps and supports the work that they do. And it, it probably took about a year of us, you know, talking and, and socializing and evangelizing um, about the importance of it, as well as the risk um, framework that we were going to be using, how we were going to staff this centrally, how we were going to support them locally. Um, it was a lot of what I would consider to be um, shaking hands and kissing babies that, that had to happen. But I think that once we got to the end of that, um, we found that we had a very strong support base from our key stakeholders that understood why we were here. We, they knew that it was going to be a shift and a change to their normal processes, um, but it was for the better. It wasn't because there was this hammer being brought down by the security team saying that you have to do these things, but we would tell them you have to do it, but we would always tell them why they had to do it or the benefit of doing it, which I, I can't really say that was part of our message 10 years ago. It was a very different message. So I think that we've evolved that over time, and it's been pretty successful for us in terms of gaining, gaining that support and really rolling out the initiatives that we have to roll out. Right. I think other drivers, too, that have changed some of that complexion, Kate, are high-tech and the rigor around what was expected of us as, an or, as organizations. We know as human beings that we're going to have missteps in the work that we do, you know, our our overriding responsibility is do no harm and mm -hmm. safety comes first above everything else. So the fact that we are vulnerable as human beings, we sometimes make mistakes. We sometimes put information in harm's way and it may get exposed and you're hoping that it's only internally that, you know, the wrong department got a lab result on Mary Alice. But at other times it's just essential that we take a look at how do we how do we manage and protect in a way that teaches individuals that there are different ways and that we've got a series of resources that are available to help problem solve or answer questions that, you know, may guide someone in a different direction. Yeah, and that's, that, that's speaking along kind of the lines of, of education, too, and uh, I, I imagine that, that that has to be something that's really multifaceted as, as far as keeping the staff and even, like, like the community, in your case, educated, mm -hmm. especially when there are so many different types of threats out there. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, and we have, uh, as Meredith described, programs that help educate. We have mandatory education on an annual basis, very much mm -hmm. like all organizations do, that identify the, the, the safety and the um, uh, fire safety as well as disaster planning safety as well as your, your chemical safety. We also have a segment that is part of our privacy and security, bringing work 
force members up to speed with what might have changed in the year preceding, but mm -hmm. making them, again, very aware of the basics and the threat horizon that is changing every year. We need to make sure that they're able to protect themselves as well as protect the organization. So education is multifaceted. When there are incidents that uh, require us to step in and help take a look at what might have happened and what might have been preventable, the immediate opportunity, those breakthrough moments of this is what's happened and this is how we can prevent it in the future are some of the most valuable aspects of education that Meredith's team puts into play. Yeah, I think one of the other things that has been very successful as we talk about shifting the culture and behavior and, and training and education, um, when we have um, unfortunate incidents or we have failures in process or something to that effect, it is required as a part of our investigation and closing out those investigations, we require retraining of the entire department. So we will come back and retrain folks one-on-one um, -on -one for as much as we have to until we no longer see any concerns or issues in that specific area. So I think the repetitive nature of some of those training sessions have also caused a really interesting dynamic where we find um, teams, um, they love us, but I don't think they want to hear us over and over again talking about the same thing. Um, they start to police themselves, and we find them training and educating each other um, on the fly as things are happening. And so that was a really good thing for us to see where, yeah. the, again, they were starting to take ownership of what even their coworkers were doing, which I thought was really great. Yeah, that, that shows that, that the message is, is getting through. Mm -hmm. I think, too, uh, Kate, one whole area that we've not talked about is the mobility of our workforce because they're being driven by consumer demand and the availability of technology that enables people to be more efficient and effective or more connected. And sometimes it's not more efficient and sometimes it's not more affected, effective, but it's, it's connected. So this world, this landscape of um, mobility has created a number of challenges for us, but it also has created a number of opportunities for us to standardize processes and standardize on technologies that we know we can protect and that we are uh, uh, able to partner with our clinical staff, whether it's the iPhones for our, our medical groups or whether it's portable devices like iPads and laptops, uh, we have a standard that is widely received and yet doesn't, doesn't bottleneck us into a single platform or a single domain of technology while we try to look at what the consumer-driven needs are and try to meet them where they are as well as uh, establish a set of standards that will help guide us. And, and the standards for, for uh, the medical devices, you said, or, or uh, more like smartphones or both? Medical device standardization is something, too, that we are doing, and I, I would say that that's, it's uh, analogous to the work that Meredith and her team are doing, mm -hmm. but in the space of our clinical engineering and connecting medical equipment to computers mm -hmm. or that they're embedded with computers uh, is a space that is relatively new for IT to manage, and it has opened up a world of tremendous opportunity for us to standardize the footprint of the technologies that we will use across the system so that, in, at the same time, we have a standard configuration that we can protect and that we are aware of 
vulnerabilities that may exist and how do we manage them because sometimes you can't eliminate them. You need to manage them or mitigate as much risk as you can. Yeah. I think the other thing is what we've attempted to do by way of advocacy with medical device manufacturers specifically is we are talking to them more and more about the challenges that we're facing with the devices that they're manufacturing and are they always taking into consideration some of the operational constraints that we may have um, and what exposure we're having because of that particular device. So there's movement um, in that relationship building with the medical device manufacturer community. It probably could be much better, of course, moving forward. We hope we can continue to do that, but I know that we've engaged in those conversations specifically around devices that are FDA approved because there are some other um, requirements that we have to meet and being able to touch and secure those devices can invalidate the FDA certification. So how do we come up with other ways to secure whether we're looking at physical security or whether we're looking at some other compensating control to be able to manage that device more effectively? So my perspective is the more conversation we have, the better understanding we have, and then hopefully we can come to a solution together um, as two industries that are supporting each other. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.